Adam Cravens, and Jane Ellen watch more movies each month than most people do in a year. Parental Guidance suggested reviews new movies in theaters with no spoilers promise. These film nerds know their stuff. Hello and welcome to Parental Guidance Suggested. I'm Jane Ellen. And I'm Adam Cravens. So, let's see how plugged in Adam is. Uh, because the movies are not playing in the theaters, we've been talking about movies that are important in some way that if you have never seen, you should. And if you have, maybe you should revisit. So I'm going to give you some clues. All right. Okay. Cairo syrup. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's that's the only one I get. Okay, it's it's probably Psycho then with, yes! with that guess. Yes! If I had to, if I had to go with yes. Nicely done. Now, ideally, this is not the uh, the remake. No, we can discuss that later. With it, no, is... let's not discuss it at all. Okay. Let's just let's pretend like it never happened, like most of the movie going public did. True that. So, Psycho, made by Alfred Hitchcock in 1960, just iconic in so many ways and in the event you didn't know he used Cairo syrup the dark kind to be blood because of the way it moved and the way it photographed and if i'm remembering correctly it is also the first time in a film that a commode was featured really if i, I i'm not 100 percent certain on that but i swear i've read that like i guess because commodes are not I don't know, gentlemanly or like polite in in public. Like there well, was that some would make pushback. sense because on TV, one did not say someone was pregnant, and TV couples I mean, slept in separate beds. Well, even yeah, like uh, on uh, I Love Lucy. I was just thinking of Lucy. Yeah, yeah, they they weren't they were they were married. Which I mean, most people assuming that they're married and that they're pregnant, you you would assume that. They were sleeping in the same. No. But, I mean, this is about that same time period. And despite the fact that, now, I didn't live in the 50s, so I don't know this conclusively, but I assume commodes were in all bathrooms. Or most of them. Or maybe they were still in outhouses at that point. I don't know. Either way, I remember thinking, wait, what? Um, but Psycho also features, like, the first commode in a motion picture. I don't I don't know how how long it took to finally get the commode to the the television uh but at least as far as theatrically I believe Psycho was the first to do that. Talk about groundbreaking cinema. Now, he also did something that had never been done before with the exception of Cecil B DeMille's 10 Commandments. He would not would not issue a spoiler alert. Now the 10 Commandments Pretty sure you could figure out what that movie's going to be about. I mean, and like, I mean, I understand there. There's a book that both of them are are based on. Are they not? Am I right about that? Psycho's based on a book, isn't it? Psycho is based on a book. Okay. And the uh, block B L O C H is the name of the author. He made five thousand dollars for selling the book. I wonder. Five thousand. I mean, that probably wasn't like an insignificant sum at yeah, the time. Yeah, probably in the late fifties. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Now, see, this thing I'm looking at it says Bosco chocolate syrup. I was positive it's Cairo syrup. I know. I know chocolate syrup. It was not. It was not like red dye. I, I do know that. It, whenever I found out what it was, I was just like, "Well, I guess if it's black and white, it doesn't matter." Mm-hmm. Now, um, what did I want to tell you? Oh, he also did something else quite interesting. He had everyone in the cast 
have a promotional photo taken of them seated in a director's chair, and on the back of the director's chair it said Mrs. Bates. Nice, huh? Well, I mean, as often as the two of them are compared together, uh, Alfred Hitchcock and Christopher Nolan really like to make sure that the expectations for their film, or sometimes they will even use, like, I, I get your kind of your um, your own kind of movie knowledge against you. I just Adam and I, for the most part, have brains full of useless knowledge. And when I come across knowledge, and I know Adam feels the same way, that is that type that I didn't know before. But I'm you often feel surprised. Like, you feel like it's information you should have ran over before before now, such as. Okay, the, the main character is played by Janet Lee, and her character's name is Marion Crane. And so there are a few scenes of her driving. There's more than one scene of her driving. Well, the car that she's driving was borrowed, and it was a rather well-known car because it was the Cleaver's family car from Leave it to Beaver. Yeah, that does sound like something I yeah? should know. Uh, and, mind blown again, at the very end of the movie, there is a cell guard... And I'm Ted Baxter. Played by Ted Knight. That's fantastic. I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. So I, th- I think the, the car one I'm I'm a little bit happier with, but like yes. that, that that's still two useless pieces of of ammunition I now have in my head. Uh, yeah, and I can't wait to use it. So Psycho cost eight hundred thousand dollars to make, which was huge considering. It made over forty million dollars. 15 of which went to Alfred Hitchcock. Well, I mean, Hitchcock was basically his own brand at that Very point. Very much so. I don't know if it was running concurrently during this film, but I mean, we you had Alfred Hitchcock Presents, like, and it, at that point in time, like, Hitchcock could basically work with whomever he wanted to. Like, mm-hmm. when Jimmy Stewart, like, is on your speed dial, you you know that you have to have, like, some kind of power in, in Hollywood. And they mm-hmm. did how many movies together? A lot. Yeah. Um, he also instituted this. You could not enter the movie theater once it had started playing. They wouldn't let anyone come in late. And I wonder how he would have handled... He probably would have done it like Christopher Nolan and not shown everyone the script in the days of the internet. That's what I'm how saying. How he would have like, handled that. A lot of people make a lot of comparisons to Hitchcock and... Christopher Nolan. I mean, Nolan. Nolan's movies tend to be a little bit, little bit more action oriented, but both of them like to take a lot of, like, different kind of like narrative choices and almost use them against the audience. And so, like, okay, about maybe not exactly halfway, but more or less, you are led to believe that the woman is the main character in in the mm-hmm. movie. Like, she's and she's in, a huge star. Like, and she's in huge. basically. Every scene up until the point, and again, spoilers, I'm assuming most of you have seen this film at this point, um, she is killed in the shower. In the shower with no nudity. Which, if I'm also remembering correctly, they sent the film back and were going to throw a heavier rating at it. until They were like, well, it showed this and it showed this. And Hitchcock's like, no, I didn't. Like, it's... You, they're they're like, but like the, the the stabbing, and he's like, no one ever, no one's ever shown stabbed. Nope, no one's shown there. that at all. Like, I mean, there's there's a lot of like shots of knives being pulled back, mm-hmm. and then like syrup being 
thrown into the the bathtub, but like you, nothing actually ever pierces any any skin. Like as much as like even my own head fills in gaps. That was what Hitchcock and like even to a a lesser extent like kind of emulating him, uh, Spielberg and Jaws. Okay, it's like you're in my head. I, I'm just saying, like <laughs> as much as you remember all this carnage from Jaws, yeah. like. That never happens. And as much as you remember, like, the stabbing and the death in Psycho, that also never happens. Mm -hmm. Like, the two of them are so, like, perfect at what they do not show you. And kind of the, I I guess, the way that that fills it in. Like, you are going to imagine the worst. Like, if, if I were to say, like, picture the worst possible thing that could ever happen to you. All of us are probably going to have like largely different answers. So basically, Spielberg and Hitchcock just they they show you enough to make you imagine the rest of it, and they they use their cutting techniques to the point that you think you saw or you you remember mm-hmm. like again this gar this this carnage or this gore or this stabbing or this shark biting somebody that absolutely never happens in either of those movies. But the way that they cut the film and the way that they kind of allude to it, you're just sitting there going, well, that definitely happened. That's had to be what happened next. And, again, Spielberg, Hitchcock, the way they use music. Alfred Hitchcock was so pleased with the music that was scored for Psycho, he doubled the composer's salary. Well, I mean, and and both of them, like, even if you'll recall, they're both of them are really kind of simple, mm-hmm. like not necessarily one note, yeah, but, but I mean, simple, repetitive. Jaw, thing. The dun 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 dun, and you have in Psycho the and that's that's all you need. I mean, they're not they're not these exquisitely complex pieces, but like I'm I'm going to go ahead and say eighty eighty five percent of the people that have have ever watched and a movie Jason's theme. Yeah, I'm Again, saying you can, two notes, or or you can get people to hum them to you. And like, as much as I enjoy like the score to Braveheart or like Chariots of Fire or whatever, like it's a little bit, it's a little bit more complex. And like Jaws and Psycho did this with very just absolute like minimum, but the way that they impacted your mind with that music. Almost like just married itself to those scenes as much as the gore that you don't re- that you remember that never happened. You're listening to Parental Guidance Suggested, brought to you by Hinson Oakley Family Dentistry. Jane Ellen talking with Adam Cravens about movies, and today we're talking about Psycho, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, nominated for four Academy Awards, winner of none. You know, I I, I think when when you have people like. Christopher Nolan or Steven Spielberg kind of emulating a lot of your techniques. Um, I'm sure having an Oscar would be nice. I don't know what that feels like, so Mm -hmm. I can't I can't exactly speak to it. But if you're going to try to deny the lasting impact of Alfred Hitchcock, I can definitely argue that point. Uh, Argue it real hard. Now, uh, see. And another thing I've read, it said Robert Block's novel, he paid five grand for it. I'm reading something else that said he paid nine grand for it. But here's the thing. When he bought the rights to the novel, he did it anonymously and then bought as many copies in as many stores as he could find. That's so that's beautiful. Yeah. People just wouldn't know about it. Well, because if Alfred Hitchcock does something at this point in time, like 
it, it, you know, it's not going to be on Google News because Google News doesn't exist. But people pay attention to what Alfred Hitchcock does. And if he buys the rights to a book, chances are people are going to go out and they're just going to be like, oh, I bet he's making a movie of that book. We should read. We should read mm-hmm. that book. So he did something else interesting. Alfred Hitchcock thought a lot of himself for good reason. But he thought very highly of himself. Yeah. I... And he knew he had something here. And so he says to Paramount, hey, Paramount, how about you don't have to give me my huge director's fee. Give me 60% ownership of the film. Huh? How about 60% ownership of the film? And they said, eh, all right, whatever. All right, Alfie. <laughs> and it's a universal title now. Because Paramount kind of lost it. Oh, that... Uh... And again, forty million dollars at this point in time is uh, that is an that's an astronomical sum now. Mm-hmm. So, like I, again, I, I really do think Hitchcock understood what he had there, um, and not for nothing. There, there's a lot of other um, people that have made grandiose sums of money because they were smart enough to get a percentage of like the the final profits out of a film. Mm-hmm. Now. We like to say that Die Hard is our favorite Christmas movie, and it is. But if you are pressed to name your second favorite Christmas movie, you can say it's Psycho. Because the film was pushed to a December release because when he was filming it in the city, there were Christmas decorations up that just couldn't be avoided. So it's not made a big deal. But there are Christmas decorations up, and you can say it's a Christmas movie. It is done around that point. Wow. If I'm if I'm remembering correctly as well, they hired. Now I don't know that these were actual nurses, um, but apparently, like it was advertised that the ending was shocking, so they had nurses on hand so that if anyone fainted, um. They they could be there to revive them or maybe have like smelling salts or something to that effect. I don't know that all of these people were registered uh, nurses. I don't know that they maybe had all the qualifications. Some of them may have been uh, performers, actors dressed as nurses um, on hand at the theaters just in case anyone fainted. Don't know that anyone actually ever fainted, but I bet Still. it looked it it looked cool for like an advertisement, you know, see Alfred Hitchcock's new movie. So shocking nurses will be on hand in case you faint from the narrative. Now, if you were to name, let's say, try to name just five extraordinary directors. Go. I would say Cameron Hitchcock Spielberg, Lucas, uh, Coppola. Hitchcock never won an Oscar for directing. Which which really seems criminal. But, yeah. I mean, in that same breath, how long did it take Martin Scorsese to also win? I mean, Hitchcock was given the Thalberg Award. Thalberg Award. Fine. But... You would really assume somebody's name, which is synonymous with, like, directing... Mm-hmm. And the multitude of people who emulated him that are now basically like icons or tycoons in that industry. Um, You really assume at some point that they would have. But, I mean, as we've also discussed a couple of times, Wizard of Oz is not an Oscar winner. Uh, The, what is it, the uh, Citizen Kane also did not. not These films that are, you know deemed classics or in sometimes, you know, referred to as like greatest films ever made or appear 
in a multitude of top ten lists. Wouldn't it be funny if the movie Flash Gordon a uh, hundred years from now was like they didn't know what they were talking about? Man, that thing was hot. <laughs> That's, and I'm telling you that soundtrack, boom, <laughs> boom. Those people of the 20th century didn't know what they had. Uh, anyway, Saved every one of us. My <laughs> my introdu- introduction to Queen. I remember Flash was shown in the auditorium at high school. I don't know why. I guess they had it, and they made everyone go, but it echoed, and so you couldn't hear the dialogue. Because it was being... It was just, uh, and then you, know, you could understand Flash, uh, and that's it. That's, I mean, honest to goodness, it's probably... That's the best dialogue in that film, yeah. uh, by and far. But Psycho is what we're talking about. So... What I love about his marketing, once again, is he made a trailer, more of a a short, and about him saying what his movie was about, included a scene of Vera Miles screaming, a scene that is not in the movie, and it stars Janet Lee, and just really led the audience down a different path. Which I love the misdirection of it because it makes it even more surprising and disturbing. Because who would have thought that that nice boy was a psycho? The one that, I mean, essentially could have been a denizen of Mayberry. Like, mm-hmm. real, I mean, it wouldn't have taken that much for Anthony Perkins to be a side character on The Andy Griffith Show. He seems now, like such a nice not, boy. Not so much what he does at the end, but like towards the beginning, like you're just like. Well, he seems harmless enough. Mm-hmm. That that guy doesn't. That's okay. Yeah. Oh, he's wearing his dead mother's clothes. Oh, oh. and he kept her in the chair. Oh, dear. That's... Uh, now, I don't recall this. Did he kill her or she just died and he kept her there? I I believe she died yeah. and he kept her there. But, I, I again, I don't know that like 100%. And I my my mind, it seems the older I get... Uh, yeah, it plays the tricks and on me. Something you should remember. E- either way, l- leaving your mother dead in the chair uh, until she decomposes, uh, or killing her, and l- neither of them is okay. Yeah, like it's kind of like the well. Did you report it to the police? Oh no 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 no! I just hid the body. Wait wait what? Why why did you do that? What? I'm just saying neither of them was good. And to jump back to the beginning, Janet Leigh, who is a huge movie star, 1960, huge movie star, and you clearly believe she's going to be with you the whole movie. Um, She's a thief. She's an embezzler. Mm -hmm. So it starts out with what the classic Hitchcock blonde is an embezzler, and she's taken years to get out of her crappy job by stealing, and she's just leaving town and happens to stop at the Bates Motel. Her bad. Yeah, and she definitely regret. Well, she would have regretted. That yeah, decision she would have regretted had she had lived to uh, see what happened. To but her. again, unusual for a criminal to be looked at sympathetically. Because you want her to go and have a great life because, well, it's Janet Lee. Why wouldn't you want her? Well, I mean, I, it's probably another kind of like narrative cliche that Hitchcock was probably playing with mm-hmm. there. Like, in, in as much as, like, say, a film or a TV series like Breaking Bad wants you to root for a character that is vastly in the wrong. Like, I think Hitchcock didn't want, you know, just like plot point A, plot point B, plot point C, everybody. 
everybody goes happily ever after. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think he he intentionally does things like casting people so that you'll be like, oh, well, this is obviously the hero. I should be behind them and root. Wait, they're embezzling. But but I I'm I should be behind them, right? Okay, well I'll get behind them. Okay. Oh dear, she's dead. She has been stabbed to death in the shower. My goodness. Um I don't know what's going on anymore. Now, I didn't see it and we won't spend too much time on it. But for some reason in 1998, Gus Van Zant decided that um Aragorn and Vince Vaughn should remake Psycho. Shot for shot. Like, we don't mean like he just took the story from Psycho and did his take on it. It It is a shot for shot remake. Do you remember when Anne Heche made movies? I, yes. Yeah, I, I, I think I saw this when I was 18 and never felt the need to revisit it again ever. It, I haven't seen it. And I always wondered have you, why. Have you seen Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho? Uh, yeah. Then, then you do, literally you don't need to. It's a shot for shot remake. If you were ever like Anthony Perkins, pugh, you know what it needs the the smooth talking guy from Swingers or the the activist from The Lost World, no, which no one has ever said. I'm I'm reasonably certain. Um, I I have seen so many movies that I'm like, okay, uh, Highlander. Mm-hmm. There's there a movie. There, there's a movie that's ripe for reinterpretation. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot about that movie that doesn't work, but the concept is interesting. Psycho is. I'm not going to call it a perfect movie, but like, if Alfred Hitchcock did something, maybe you stay away from it. Okay, maybe he knew what he was doing, and we certainly didn't need a shot for shot. Like, literally, it's it's like xeroxing a movie, and then just being like, here. They're like, oh, is this your take on it? No, no. I just, I did everything that he did, but I did it now instead of then. Wow. So the remake of Psycho, Anne Heche was nominated for Worst Actress, but she lost it to the Spice Girls for the movie Spice World. Well, I mean, as far as Razzie contention, I, that was, that was a hot year for, for debate and competition. Um, um, just... No need for it. Uh, apparently, the producers of the remake kind of just broke even. I mean, down to the dollar probably broke even. But I just don't know why you would do a shot for shot. It doesn't. That That's what I'm saying. Like, if you just want to take that story. I mean, I get that. Like, mm-hmm. it's a and maybe even do like a twist on like maybe she doesn't die in the middle of of the movie. Like you start mm-hmm. messing with people's preconceptions, but I don't, I completely do not understand shot for shot remaking a movie that already exists very successfully that maybe if not everyone knows it, like I would say the vast majority of the, the movie going public, or at mm-hmm. least somebody that enjoys a good classic psycho is going to be in that list. Now there are several sequels that Hitchcock had nothing to do with. But I believe Anthony Perkins is featured in most of them, if not all of them. Probably. And I, I want to say he directed one of the later ones. Mm, and yet I don't care. No, there, uh, there's no reason. Well, I say it's kind of like a, Jaws 3. Well, or, I mean, honestly, any of the Jaws sequels. <laughs> like, I, I can watch Jaws 2, 
and I appreciate it, but I think I appreciate it because of Jaws 1. And in much that same way, like, I want to say there's four, there's three or four psychos. All of them are built on the back of the first film. Mm -hmm. You would not have any interest in these films without the first film. Um, They're there, and if you just need to watch Norman Bates, like, do further, you know, creepy, murdery things, um, they do exist. But in, in much the same way after I watched Jaws the Revenge or Jaws 3D and just went, I don't ever need to revisit this again ever. Um, that's basically the same, like the exorcist sequels. Don't um, need to go. Uh, the, the exorcist. Now that's a creepy movie. Um, mm-hmm. exorcist two, exorcist three, um, the two different exorcist prequels that were made in the early aughts. Uh, again, never felt the need to ever revisit any of the other exorcist movies besides the first one. Now in 1987, our good friend, Jason Bateman, was in something called Bates Motel, where the motel that you recognize from Psycho, someone inherits it, and stuff happens. I mean, so you, Of course it does. Yeah. <laughs> now, that would have been a twist. <laughs> if they just get it, and like it's just a well-run hotel. Like, yeah, that they're just like, I really expected someone to die, or I don't know. Anything to happen, something supernatural. No, they just run a really efficient, very clean hotel. That would be funny. And I think they also did a TV series. Yes, I'm checking on that uh, as we speak. The TV series, wow, five seasons of the Bates. Oh, that's right. And the the guy that plays... Hold on, it's coming to me. There's a, a a TV show we've talked about. It's based on a Korean drama where the Good Doctor, where the doctor is on the spectrum, right. and so he's a, 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 a savant, an autistic savant. That actor was in Bates Motel as you know the creepy guy. Yeah, there was. I think right around this time there was a lot of uh, movie to television, like uh, I think Hannibal. Freddie Highmore is his name. Uh, Hannibal had one around this time, it, mm-hmm. and it went like three or four seasons. Uh, Bates Motel was another one of them. And both of them, if I'm remembering right, like even got some reasonably good mm-hmm. like critical reception. Now, I haven't, I haven't, well, I've watched a little bit of Hannibal, and it feels a little bit more like a police procedural, right. except uh, one of them, uh, because of Silence of the Lambs and those films, you know something is a little bit off uh, about that right. guy. And I've still never had fava beans, but... What, what about Chianti? I'm sure I've had Chianti. Or, or someone's liver? It turns out that Braunschweiger is a pig liver. Now, I've had chicken livers, hmm. I uh, but I didn't have them with uh, Chianti and fava, fava beans. beans. Oh. Well, we guess we really haven't lived. <laughs> anyway, Psycho, the original 1960 black and white Hitchcock film, and I think... Of course, he could have made it in color. I'm so glad he didn't. I I think especially around that that time when you could get away with doing things like, or, or you could make the decision: is this movie going to be colorized? Mm-hmm. Is it? Um, Hitchcock was way too into like the the perception of it, or like the way it impacted. I would I would have to say, and again, I haven't seen a commentary or read this, but I would assume that was definitely. 
part of like his plan. Going. The trouble with Harry and Rear Window and Vertigo. I mean, he it's made not, color films. It's, yeah, it's not that like having colorized film. Or, and I, I don't mean like he went back and colorized, and they're just they're in just Technicolor. It's not that he's against glorious. it. Glorious. I think it's glorious Technicolor. I, I believe according to that, yeah. but I don't know if that's just like a a part of the brand. Much in the way that the Hulk is always incredible. Mm-hmm. Technicolor is always glorious. Anyway, if you have not seen Psycho, you should. If you have someone who you who says they want a really good suspense thriller kind of horror movie, but you don't want an issue with language, nudity, or gore, there you go. Because you basically couldn't do that in the 1960s. Yeah, there um, you go. I mean, honestly, if somebody just says, I need a movie, I need a good movie, if you go Alfred Hitchcock's and then just fill in the blank mm-hmm. from anything from his filmography. Like, this guy really was on the level of a Spielberg or Christopher Nolan, like, in his in his day and time. Like, and yet, the movie, Psycho, was, after it had come out, years and years later, was given an R rating because the ending was, and I quote, disturbing. Well, I mean, it is. It I mean, is. That's, they're not wrong about that. But... Again, not due to language or or gore or adult circumstances. It's just disturbing. Well, I mean, Temple of Doom almost got yeah. an R well, rating. That's because it was gross. Gremlins almost got an R rating. Like For what? they're because what because they're they're around the time PG thirteen doesn't exist. Oh, and like are those films PG? No, I they, mm. I really don't think they are. But they're definitely not R ratings, which is the reason why you eventually do get that rating but seeing seeing them do that around that time and going oh well that film is now an r like i get it but in the same way that like temple of doom is not an r-rated movie um and gremlins is definitely not an r-rated movie well batman returns like there's video games and toys built for that movie I think it's almost laughable that that's a PG-13 movie, but I think it dances mm-hmm. on that line very hard. And I was I was a 12-year-old kid and I was I was I, it was Batman and yeah, that's and, I, all you need. and I didn't care. I was like that's fine. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to Parental Guidance Suggested. I'm Jane Ellen and I'm Adam Craven. You've been listening to Parental Guidance Suggested. Download your favorites and keep up with new episodes in the Hints and Oakley Podcast Center.